0: Why do I completely believe that Tug-of-War would be a national sport <laughs> uh,
1: Ice Tug-of-War is. Uh, we, we just um, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. get your best uh, snowshoes on. With moose. And... Yeah. Nobody yeah, wins Tug-of-War yeah, against the moose though, moose. I will have you
2: know. The moose have won every year no. since the origin of the sport. <laughs> yes.
0: Wow. You yes. humans really need to up your game.
2: Have you seen mooses though? They're tall um, and strong and In- intimidating. huge.
0: Yeah, I really m- wouldn't want to be anywhere near that, that moose, that tug of war game.
2: Only the you bravest can count of me Canadians. Up. <laughs>
0: A doctor. My name is Beth and I'm a particle physics PhD student at Sapienza University of Rome.
1: And my name is Alistair and I'm an analytical chemistry PhD candidate at Queen's University.
2: And I am Sienna, the resident biologist slash neuroscientist doing a PhD at McGill University in Montreal, Canada.
1: And we are the PhD three! Too
0: Toobie! So this is the podcast where Everything comes back to either food or Canada or both. I haven't yet got a food relation in this episode, but I hope that we'll find one. I think that's what I'm here for, honestly. (laughs) Okay, get your mind in gear, Sienna, because I really don't know where one could fit in. Today I have decided to do something that's a bit outside of my area of expertise. I felt like the last episode was very technical, very detailed, um, I just wanted to do something different this time. So I might have gone too far in the other direction and taken something that I don't really know anything about. So I'm trying to make something new to me, interesting and accessible to people, to other people.
1: You? I'm on the edge of my seat. What are we going to learn about today?
0: So today we're learning about geophysics, about the earth's magnetic field.
1: <gasps> That's so cool. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> Alistair, that is exactly the reaction that I wanted. I hope that if there are any actual geophysicists who ever listen to this, I hope I'm doing a good job, and if not, then be gentle because it, I'm just a humble <laughs> particle physicist, a um, humble particle physicist. <laughs> yeah, but I found this really. I found researching this really interesting. So I'll introduce why I'm talking about it. I was listening to, the BBC news the other week, and they had an item on this nature paper which I've been reading and it is talking basically about why the magnetic north pole has been moving away from Canada and towards Siberia and particularly why that movement has been accelerating so I'm sorry Canada you're just losing but, <laughs> you're losing the magnetic but field
1: Santa Santa lives in Canada <laughs> what is it the north pole is it's still there the- just not the
2: magnetic one Don't
1: worry, Alistair. Oh, it's just the Magnetic North. Okay, okay.
0: I'm pretty sure that Santa lives in Lapland anyway, so you didn't have him in the first
1: place. No, no, no. He has an address. (laughs) His postal code is Mm H-O-H-O-H-O. He has an address in Canada.
0: H-O-H-O-H-O. Yeah. That's funny. But that does lead me nicely. Your question leads me nicely. I can't remember whose question it was about the Magnetic North Pole or geographical... Me.
1: Whose question was it? Oh, I I thought I thought North was moving, yeah. but it's just the magnetic North. It's not the actual no. pole. The it's pole that there. they stuck yeah, in the ground exactly. isn't moving.
0: That one.
1: The candy cane striped one.
0: Like that one's probably also moving because the ice caps are melting, melting. <laughs> but <Thanks>. um. <laughs> just like Santa. But moving swiftly on, I should put a big disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. This is not an episode for flat earthers it's also not one for climate change deniers but especially not for- like if you think the earth is flat just skip this episode and move on to the next one because this is not for you. But anyway this leads me nicely into the first point that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to very quickly clear up the three types of North Pole that people talk about. The first one is the geographic North Pole and that is not moving. That is the so the um, the North Pole and the geographic North Pole and the geographic South Pole describe the axis around which the Earth is turning. So the line between them is the axis um, that the Earth is turning around to make. So
2: those day would only change
0: if the Earth somehow started tilting
2: and turning on a different axis, which would be concerning.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> be really concerning.
0: Again, I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't know if that's happening. It would imply some strange things for conservation of angular momentum. But I guess, like, if you had a Um, massive asteroid that, like... Knocked it off its axis. I have a feeling that's one theory for where the tilt comes from. That's why we have different seasons in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere and all this. But anyway, we're digressing. So type of pole number one is the Mm -hmm. geographic pole. Type of pole number two, which is the one that we're going to be talking about, is the magnetic north pole. And that is where the magnetic field lines are perpendicular to the Earth's surface. I'll I'll go into this in a bit of detail in a moment, but...
2: That's just the one that, if I put a magnetized needle and float it in water because I need to find out where I am in the middle of the BC forest and I'm confused and I don't know where north is, that's the one that points my Mm -hmm. needle
0: towards north. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're not in the middle of the BC forest, but you're directly on the North Pole and you're like, where on earth am I? Then you get your um, jar of water and you get your magnetized needle and it will point directly down. Wow. What? It points down?
1: Alternatively, you could also use a compass.
0: (laughs) It points down. You could use a compass, which is basically a magnetized needle (laughs) in a jar of water. (laughs) Almost in
1: (laughs) Sienna's very DIY. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. I'm all into DIY these days. DIY (laughs) compasses. Get that welding going. (laughs) DIY welding. (laughs) Okay, so type of pole number one, geographic. That's the one with the axis, the turning axis. Type of pole number two, magnetic, where the compass needle points directly down. And then number three is the geomagnetic field. And that is interesting but not what we're going to be talking about that's basically the geomagnetic north and the geomagnetic south are an approximation of the earth's magnetic field with a dipole magnet so a dipole magnet is like your normal bar magnet that has a north and a south and if you approximate the earth's magnetic field which is complex and has a lot of hot spots and cool spots and whatever if you approximate it with a bar magnet then the north pole, or essentially the magnetic south, is the north pole, which I'll explain in a second, and the other side is the magnetic south. The magnetic north pole is actually a south pole because it's defined as where a north pole of a magnet would point to, but it's confusing, it doesn't really matter. This is just because of the opposites attract rule, really. Exactly, exactly. It's not very important. What we're going to talk about is the Magnetic North Pole, which is somewhere between Canada and Siberia. On the move. (laughs) And quickly. (laughs) Yeah, it's getting going. (laughs) You're just not that attractive anymore, Canada. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to be talking about a magnetic field before we get into the Earth's magnetic field, we have to work out what a magnetic field is. Do you guys have some ideas?
1: Lots of ideas. Um, none that. Great. I can just give confidently... me one, okay. and then
0: I'll and then I'll run with it.
1: So a magnetic <sighs> electromagnetism is really confusing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Of... Correct. I kind
1: of think of it like witchcraft. Yes. Like. <laughs> yeah. I don't quite get it and I don't have to get it for my research. So I just kind of accept that it exists and that's great. Leave it to the geophysicists. Um, what I will say is a magnetic field is, uh, I, I, like, I don't even know what it is. It's not electrons. It's, it's just not like, like a an force electric field.
2: kind of,
0: right?
1: Like, yeah,
2: yeah. it's just, a, it's um, like a force not... field. It's a force field. This is my new
0: definition. Great, okay. that's basically exactly what it is the magnetic a, a magnetic field is a force field it describes how magnets work basically and it's a vector field which is important so that means mm-hmm. that it has a direction so you can think of a vector field you can think okay so a field to start off with is a, basically a set of values so you can think of the magnetic field as the amount of magnetic intensity, essentially, the strength of the magnetic field everywhere on mm. Earth has some value. But it also has the direction, it's pointing one way or another. Mm-hmm. So an analogy, I guess, would be a scalar field is a field that doesn't have a direction. So that's like a temperature field. You can have a room, you can have a heater in, in one corner of the room, and in that corner of the room the temperature will be higher and over the other side of the room the temperature will be lower and that's your, you can have a temperature field that describes that. Then if you take the, the direction of increasing temperature then that's a vector field because it has a direction. So if you like take the difference in temperature between one point in the room and a different point in the room that becomes a vector field because it suddenly has a direction. Is that kind of clear?
1: Yeah, because it's either the temperature is either increasing or decreasing depending on yeah. where you are in the room.
0: Exactly, and in a particular direction. But so if it's increasing in one direction, then it's decreasing in the other direction. And
1: that means that it's a vector field, whereas a scalar yeah. field has no direction. It's just the temperature is 25 mm-hmm. degrees Celsius.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so my, the magnetic field is... A vector field so it has a value and a direction. Okay let's give a let's give a visual description of a magnetic field. You've probably all done the experiment at school where you have a, a bar magnet and you put um, iron shavings around it and you see what happens to them. Have you done that experiment?
1: I think I've seen it in a Facebook video. Uh, so I haven't it twice. done it but I've seen it done. Okay
0: so basically if you have a bar magnet Basically a standard magnet that you would find most places, is just mm-hmm. a rectangle essentially, and at one mm-hmm. side of it is a north pole, and one side of it is a south pole. And if you get two of them, then the south pole of one will be attracted to the north pole of the other, mm-hmm. and the north pole of the first one will be attracted to the south pole of the other one. And they'll stick together. And if you mm-hmm. put, so if you have one of these bar magnets, and you get some iron shavings and you like sprinkle them around, and they'll go in a certain pattern around the bar magnet. Essentially, at the poles of the magnets, the shavings, which are like they're little rectangles themselves, so they're like they have some length but not very much width, but they'll like line up. So at the poles, they're kind of in the same direction as the bar, so they go straight. And then gradually, as they get further away from the poles, they mm-hmm. curve round into a circle. And go back into the other pole. So you get kind of these two like oval shapes essentially that are slightly separated. You almost get like
2: a rainbow where the pot of gold is at either end of the magnet. Yeah
0: that's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And you get you get <laughs> a set of rainbows on each side. So you'll get yeah. your... It's a double rainbow. Exactly, exactly. That's a, that's a good description of what it is. Thank you. And that's that's basically like I said at the beginning you can approximate the Earth's magnetic field as a bar magnet. So that's essentially what's going on inside the Earth, except for the fact that it's a lot more complicated because there are a lot of places within the Earth that have higher or lower fields. They have a higher intensity or a lower intensity. It's not that there's just one north and there's one south. Um, It's very complicated, and we're going to get into it, and I hope that it will be clear by the end. does anybody I'm expecting the answer no, but does anybody know what the units of magnetic field are?
1: Oh, I should know this. Uh is it Tesla?
0: Yeah, good job. Yes! So good.
1: <laughs> Nicola would be proud.
0: Um I'm proud. Congratulations. Um Thank you. Do, can can either of you give me Okay, I won't test you too much. But can you give me an example of the use of a magnet? Wait, what do you mean the use of a
2: magnet? Like? Like to stick my accomplishments to the fridge?
0: Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, but not the one that I was after. Uh, um, uh, MRIs. MRIs, that's a really good one. That's the one okay. I, was, I was hoping that somebody would get. We just got a big seven Tesla MRI at my... Institute. Oh my goodness.
2: Seven Tesla, seven T, a lot of, a lot of magnets.
0: Yeah, that is yeah. a lot of magnets. I was actually about to say, I've got here in my notes three, well, okay, I've got two examples of, of artificial magnets and their strengths and compared to the Earth's magnetic field. So, okay, the first example is, for any particle physicists that might be listening, the uh, bending magnets, the dipole magnets in the LHC,
1: The Large Hadron Collider.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) That's the one, the same one. Um, The big collider in Switzerland. The strength of those magnets is 8.3 Tesla, approximately. 8.3, 8.4. Which is, yeah. And then my next example is MRIs are typically one to two Tesla. So yours is obviously huge. Yours is obviously like. It's almost as big as the Hadron Collider. what yeah yeah no i mean what? like each individual magnet is that oh, okay, strength okay. like not all Phew. of them together Phew. but like i was nervous i'm like are we gonna like start discovering
2: new particles in our mri machine
0: <laughs> you might just get sucked in there by accident like i'll switch it on and the whole of montreal just suddenly gets attracted to that. that would be awkward <laughs> no fortunately not you can rest easy i'll rest um, but that is a very big magnet. So, the Earth's magnetic field, on the other hand, is between 25 to 65 microtesla. So that's 25 to 65 times 10 to the minus 6. Are you telling me it's really weak? It's really weak. The Earth is weak. You mean really my weak. backyard
2: MRI has more <laughs> magnetic strength than the Earth
0: Like It's so... Yours, I mean, I calculated it for the average MRI, which is like fifteen thousand times. Yours has even more. Like, yours is gonna be, I don't know, like sixty thousand times stronger than the Earth's magnetic. Yeah, like gravity and the Earth's magnetic field are both really like the Earth is just a really weak body, but it's trying its best. (laughs) Like, and it does such a good job. This is it really does do a good job. I'm quite proud of it.
1: Yeah. can you imagine if it was really strong? Like anything metal yeah, would be that would sucked be to the forms. That's a good point. I didn't think like, about that.
2: I was kind of just thinking now about how, like how you can't take like in the MRI wing, you can't take electronics in there. And if you have a pacemaker, right, yeah. you're not allowed to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If the Earth's magnetic field was as strong as that MRI machine, we wouldn't be allowed to have pacemakers
0: or electronics. Yeah. yeah. I guess. So, the world would be very different. Makes sense. But hopefully at the end I'll get on to um, why it's so useful that the Earth has a magnetic field in the first place. So yeah, I mean, it's not very strong compared to the magnets that we can make, but it's lucky that we have something, because otherwise we wouldn't be here. Spoiler alert. Okay, so now we're going to get into the meat of the, of the episode, um, <clears throat> and... There's the food reference. <laughs>
1: yes maybe
0: i should say the tofu because i'm a vegetarian (laughs) i was gonna say um so now we're gonna get into the um processed bean curd of the (laughs) of the episode
1: it's just not as appetizing when you put it that way
0: i mean meat doesn't sound very tasty to me either so you win some you lose some that's not the right metaphor but anyway this episode is based on a recently published paper by three researchers philip livermore and matthew bailiff from the university of leeds and christopher christopher finney from the technical university of of denmark Um, and they've just published this study in nature geoscience and it's entitled Recent North Magnetic Pole Acceleration Towards Siberia Caused by Flux Lobe Elongation. <laughs> wow.
1: That, I don't know what any of those words mean, but it sounds interesting.
2: I mean, I know what recent means.
1: Got <laughs> <That> one. <laughs> flux lobe elongation sounds really interesting.
0: What does this title mean? Okay,
1: what was, what was the title again? Do you want to just read the title again?
0: So the title is, Recent North Magnetic Pole Acceleration Towards Siberia Caused by Flux Tube Elongation. So the point is that the North Pole, recently, has been accelerating away from Canada and towards Siberia. And the cause is Flux Tube Elongation, which we are going to explain. Bear with. Cool. Okay, so it's been known for a while that the north pole is moving away from canada and towards siberia and that the rate of this movement has increased in the last 15 years so according to this paper between 1990 and 2005 the average speed um, that the north pole was moving was between 0 to 15 kilometers per year it's now about 50 to 60 kilometers per year, or kilometers per year. I haven't decided which pronunciation I prefer. That's quite fast. Which is quite fast. That's quite. Like, if I were a person
2: trying to track it, I would just be holding there with my compass pointing straight down, and then, like, after a year, I would look at my compass and it would be pointing in Siberia's direction, and I would have to yep. run 50 kilometers.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then hold
2: my compass again, um... and it would point straight down.
0: And I don't necessarily recommend running 50 kilometers in the Arctic just on a whim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, wait, I... Only if you're
0: researching. Only, yeah. Yeah. only, I'm really only if you've already planned this. Okay, we'll talk about how they track it, but Alistair has a question. How many
1: How many hours are in a year?
0: 365 times 24.
1: Times 24, so that's 8,760. Yeah. You said it's going 50 yeah. kilometers a year? Yeah. So that's point zero zero six sure. kilometers an hour. So that's that's five. That's six meters uh, an hour.
0: Six meters an hour. That's is faster like, than I'm moving in quarantine. That's like
1: one. That's
2: a
0: lot.
1: <laughs> faster than I. <laughs> that's I'm. like
0: six yeah. six lengths of me. What?
2: That's like no, like three yeah, lengths of me. Probably a bit more.
1: How how long is a football a field?
0: Pretty. It's pretty I rounded much, my height down to the nearest meter, is which is It's pretty much very exactly accurate. four mes an hour.
1: <laughs> four mees an hour.
0: Okay, so this is
2: moving four Beths an hour. That's a lot. Are yeah. you sure that's right, Alistair? It's a, it is, um, what, 15,000 micro Tesla moving four beths an hour. It sounds
0: like a physics
1: question. Oh, <laughs> how, wait, this is a physics episode. How long does it
0: take four men to dig the same hole?
1: <laughs> <laughs> at what time will the train <laughs> arrive at the station? Okay. <laughs>
0: And how much Great. quicker would two women just do it and get on with it?
1: That's the tea. <laughs> my goodness.
0: That is the tea. Bringing the tea. All okay. right. So it's
1: it's moving quite a lot faster it's, now than it was.
0: Yeah. It's moving at yeah. quite the quite the speed. Um, it's not a
2: pace to sniff at.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and as Alistair says, it's increased, which is interesting and yeah. potentially concerning. Or at least we need to know where the magnetic north is, because apart from anything else, we use it in navigation. That's a good point. Mm -hmm.
1: Because if if it's moving 50 kilometers a year, that means every year, if you don't recalibrate your magnetic north, you're going to be 50 kilometers off of wherever you think you are in the world. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. that's...
0: I don't know what 50 kilometers is. I I mean...
2: And if you're trying to find the, like, ice cream shop nearest to you... That could be a huge detriment. Yes. Yeah. that was You really could end insane. up going 50 kilometers just for ice cream when there's an ice cream store right around the block. <laughs> Sienna
1: always brings us back to ice cream. Not just food. It's ice really,
0: cream. Ice cream is really important. Yeah, um, It's one of my that. core <laughs> memories. <laughs> 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 um,
1: is, that a, is that a geophysics so... pun? A core memory? Oh, no. I, I wasn't thinking uh, of it like that, You were that, thinking of sure. Inside Out?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um... Uh, Sorry, Beth. Where I'm not off track. I'm not certain that the offset, like your um, error on the on your knowledge of where the magnetic pole is, is identical to the error in your position. I don't know if it's bigger or if it's smaller. I would estimate it's pro- I would guess it's probably bigger because these measurements are really sensitive. But I don't mm-hmm. know. But anyway, it's only really important for those of us who use magnetic navigational systems which is not most people um, with their GPS Um, GPS doesn't use magnetic field, the magnetic field on your phone is only used for um, to tell you which way you're facing basically so it only really affects people who are using compasses or who are in the military that's basically the two groups of people. So the Earth's magnetic field is moving really fast and has accelerated its, its rate of movement. Um, and scientists have been modelling this, scientists have been studying the magnetic field for a very long time. In fact, there's a, so on, on one of their figures they have a map of the movement of the magnetic field. And the first measurement on the map is from 1831. Wow. So we've been tracking this for a long time, yeah, right? What? But yeah, so so this figure has data from 1831 right up until 2019. And obviously the methods that we use to study all of these things have changed and developed over over the years now... um, the measurements are apparently made using a combination of satellite measurements and ground observatories. And then all of this information is collated in the world magnetic model, um, which is then inserted into your iOS or Android device, ready for you to find your ice cream shop. Nice. So before 1970, the Um, the magnetic field was meandering and didn't really have a particularly fixed direction. Um, it was heading in a reasonably well-defined direction, but it wasn't going directly there. And now from 1970, it's got its life together and it's off, like it's going. Um, It's like a
2: dog with a scent.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. That's a much better (laughs) analogy. (laughs) Right, so this paper then goes and models this um in terms of localized magnetic fields and what they find is that there's or I guess this is probably older research that they've known for a while, that there's a particularly strong magnetic field it's called like it's called a lobe. Okay. Um in Canada. <gasps> and then there's another particularly <laughs> strong one in Siberia. And between the two there's a <laughs> Calm it down, Canada.
1: (laughs) We're very passionate about our lobes.
2: We just have a very magnetic personality, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: all very attractive or repulsive. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's two lobes. There's a lobe in Canada, a particularly strong magnetic field, and there's a lobe in Siberia. And between the two, there's a slightly... Less strong field, and that's basically the line that the magnetic field has been following between these two, these two hotspots. And this isn't yet the news. These two hotspots have been known for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the new bit is that between 1999 to 2019, the Canadian flux slope split in two, and they they go on later to to describe why that happened, and I'll go on to talk about it. But basically, it split into two and now one of those parts is is stronger than the other and that part the stronger part is closer to to siberia and it's moving along that way and it's basically adding to the siberian lobe or like yeah like increasing the intensity over in that direction um so it's basically just betrayed you i'm really sorry guys
1: so it's it's kind of like a like a tug of war, and you've got like the flag in the middle, which is the magnetic north, yeah. And the two lobes are pulling and pulling, and then the rope is like split on the Canada side, and now there's like a guy walking over to the Siberia side, so he's actually pulling it like around and over to Siberia's side. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm really sorry to, <laughs> <laughs> to bring this news to you guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you might get to this, Beth, but I was wondering. How these lobes are created. because okay. And really how the Earth's magnetic field is created. Because I think it has something to do with the iron core in the Earth and the magma yeah. all moving around yeah. in the center. But like maybe you'll get to this. But I'm, I'm really curious to know how I'm this I'm
0: getting works. there. I'm getting there. Okay. Um, but yeah, essentially you're right. The short answer, just for now so that we're clear, is you're basically right that the magnetic field is induced by movement in the earth's core um, more okay. will be said later
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I'm really sorry guys you've got this traitor um, who is moving towards Siberia and increasing their um, increasing the intensity of, of their region of the earth
2: their tug so to speak
0: yeah and the entire area taken up by the Canadian lobe has decreased as well so really guys you're just losing on every front Hmm. Yeah. Not only are
2: we the second biggest country, but now we have the second biggest lobe.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> like <laughs> you lost to you
0: lost to Russia on surface area, and you're losing to them on on magnetic field. Just you, you need something. I guess you, We need a win. I, we have hockey. I guess you got yeah. You got hockey and maple syrup. Um, I, I was gonna say maple syrup. That was gonna be my example. So what the researchers found was that um, by doing simulations where they held all of the rest of the Earth's magnetic field constant and 1999 levels um, and just changing this Canadian patch to be how it is now, replicating essentially the change that this patch has undergone, um, that accounted for 87% of the difference in the distance between the North Pole between 1999 and 2019. So 87% of this difference can be attributed just to this one thing. Wow. Um, Yeah, they've described some other models that they've tested which um, have smaller impacts, but basically this is the the big one. So essentially they
2: took all Um, of the magnetic parameters and put it in a little computer simulation to see where the North Pole would move, and by changing this parameter only, they pretty much accounted for... 87% 87% of its movement. So that's a pretty good model for what's, why it's moved.
0: That's a pretty good model, exactly. Um, so they've got some really nice diagrams where you can see at different points on the Earth's surface how strong the magnetic field is here and there. They just held all of it constant apart from this bit and they reproduced most of the difference. So that's it's pretty impressive. Um,
1: like true physicists, they just held everything- constant constant and yeah. changed only one variable yeah
0: like all good physics. did they account
1: for air resistance though uh,
0: <laughs> underground did they assume the earth is a <laughs>
1: sphere these are all important <laughs> questions spherical cows
0: um yes I pr- they probably assumed spherical cows so i guess you could you could definitely make some arguments that their assumptions were not that <laughs> We're not that perfect, but, um...
1: So you mean you mean they didn't account for that time in 2000, 2006 when I stood outside my house and waved a magnet around, hoping that oh, I would change the Earth's magnetic you. field? Oh, that was you! Yes, <laughs> that's mentioned why the love that has specifically been diminishing. They
0: like, the BC magnetic field incident of 2006. <laughs> that's what it is!
1: <laughs> I was hoping I would show up wow. on the satellites.
0: No, but actually, actually what you've done has made everything worse, Alistair. Because oh, no. actually the direction of the magnetic field has been going like north-west, like geographical northwest, So like towards Alaska. So you pulled oh. it over to, to the west instead of being like, it was, like it kind of, the um, Canadian lobe is like west-ish, like west-south-ish of Hudson's Bay. So it's kind of like central Canada.
1: It sounds like it's in Northern Ontario.
0: How about I send you the picture and then you can, like, um, tag yourself. Tag yourself.
2: (laughs) Tag yourself, I'm the Canadian lobe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tag yourself, I'm the smaller Canadian lobe running away.
0: Okay, here we go.
1: Oh, it's, it's smack dab in, in none of it.
0: Oh, it does
2: split. That's kind of funny. It looks like a mitosis, I'll be honest. Like, two uh, cells dividing. Yeah.
0: Um, so the the blue contours are contours of the magnetic field, uh-huh. and the purple lobes are the lobes of, like, intense... So it's quite large. Field. It
2: covers, like, all of Hudson's Bay, all of Nunavut, probably reaching into um, the Northwest Territories.
0: Yeah, and... And like slightly into Alaska,
2: Manitoba, too, for sure. It covers Manitoba and Ontario.
0: Yeah. So, Alistair, you're um, waving a bar magnet around in 2016 was a really bad idea because you just pulled it, you pulled it away from where it was. Basically, it was chilling out over Hudson's Bay, Manitoba.
1: And now it's off to Siberia
0: <laughs> and now it's going to Siberia and you're losing it all. <laughs> So, they go into why they think this happens, and here comes the answer to Alice's question. The main source of the Earth's magnetic field, according to what I've understood, is the flowing of um, of the liquid in the Earth's outer core, um, which contains lots of iron and nickel, and that is obviously magnetic material, and the movement of that... Um, creates a magnetic field, and again, the movement of it changes the position of the magnetic Mm -hmm. field. And in 1970, what they found is that there was an intense large-scale flow of magnetic flux north along the coast, or like underneath the coast of North America. So it was going all the way up, basically directly north. What is magnetic flux? It's field per unit distance. So it's basically magnetic field.
1: Okay. Magnetic field on the move. It's magnetic field on the move.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Magnetic
2: field with its bags packed. Yeah. Small town girl going anywhere. Magnetic field.
1: (laughs) It's like like in our analogy with the heater, it's like it's a vector. Magnetic field is a vector, right? It has direction. But a magnetic field flux is how quickly it is moving in that direction.
0: Yeah, basically. Okay. So it um, took the midnight train. <laughs> so it took the midnight train underneath the east coast of North right. America. Um, and there was another magnetic flux that was also taking the midnight train, but this one was going westward around round the pole. Uh, and these two things like eventually collided or like they would collide at the Mm -hmm. arctic circle um where north america meets the the arctic circle um and that was that was fine that was what was happening um and so when the when the part from the northern northern direction hit the radial hit hit the westerly direction hit the bit that was going around the pole it would like join into it and contribute to that at that point only A small amount of this northerly bit, this northerly flux, was passing underneath the Canadian lobe, but by, so this was in 1970, but by 1999, the flows converged into a much broader trans-North America stream. So that basically comes from Southeast North America to um, Northwest America, so like up to Alaska.
1: From like Florida to Um, Alaska. Wow.
0: Exactly. I, I mean, the diagram that they have doesn't go as far south as Florida, oh. um, so I don't know exactly. But like, um, but we can speculate at least... that it
2: originates in Florida.
0: We can we can assume, yeah. But I, we can say that um, at least from the diagrams, if I've interpreted them correctly, then it it definitely goes from southeastern Canada up to northwestern Canada well. and like Alaska in that general direction so it's changed very dramatically direction from going directly north to going north west Mm -hmm. and that has um that's basically been the contributing factor to um, stretching and splitting the canadian lobe into these two bits one of which is going westwards towards siberia Mm -hmm. Um, and that strengthens even more by 2017. And that's when the, the lobe seems to split around that kind of time, so, if I've understood everything correctly. If I'm
2: to summarize what I've understood here, it sounds like we have this magnetic field. It took the midnight train going northwest, and this yeah. caused it to pass under. It used to just go north, but now it's going northwest, and this causes it to pass under more the lobe of Canada, the magnetic lobe. Yep. And as it passes under, it pulls along kind of the lobe with it. And so we've been losing pieces or like it's been kind of pulling a piece of the lobe towards Siberia with it, northwest, pushing it in that direction because it's been passing underneath our lobe.
0: As I understand it, that's a good description. So I've got... So I have a five-point summary. Okay. I haven't written a quiz, but I'll give you one anyway. Um, (laughs) uh, So... What we've learned is that the Earth's magnetic field is principally controlled by movement in the Earth's outer core. Mm -hmm. And Between 1970 to 2017, magnetic flux took, as Sienna so rightly says, the midnight train um, and (laughs) changed the direction of the midnight train. (laughs) So instead of going up the East Coast, it was like, do you know what? I would like to see some more of Canada, some varied some varied parts of North America, and I'm going to go diagonally instead. Um, I don't know whether that's the most variation that you can get if you go diagonally or whether you'd see more if you went east to west, but anyway, this was the way that the magnetic flux decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Um this midnight train caused elongation and eventually splitting of the of the intense lobe on Canada the Canadian lobe and the most intense part of the Canadian lobe moved towards Siberia mm-hmm. and then those two things the splitting and the fact that the more intense part that had split off moved towards Siberia caused the magnetic north pole to be pulled further and further towards Siberia. so
2: it's just like a game of tug of war but with many rope ends we've got the midnight train mm-hmm. it's got one rope end we've got siberia yeah. it's got another rope end we've got Canada's globe yeah. which has got a rope end but also has like a trader rope end that somebody's just run with yeah. following <laughs> yeah. the midnight train oh yeah. the midnight train had the small town girl and the Canadian Lobe had the city boy, and now they've both taken the midnight train <laughs> together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's a journey. What are you saying, <laughs> Oh God, Sienna. Sorry,
2: I'm sorry. I go on too much.
1: Sienna's analogy is just too perfect. I, I said I wouldn't want to play tug of war against a train. Yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> that would be less. Nice I, I really,
1: news. I really think. I would not recommend that the midnight train is gonna win in in any scenario just no small town girl or city boy ain't gonna stop it
0: just anything involving a train i'm on the train side i don't want to be against the train in any context (laughs) apparently you and the north pole both (laughs) so i'm gonna read the end of this article i quite enjoyed it so it says over the last 400 years the pole has meandered Quasi-stably around northern Canada, but over the last 7,000 years it seems to have chaotically moved around the geographic pole, showing no preferred location. Analogues of the recent acceleration may have occurred at 4,500 BC and at 1,300 BC when the speed reached about three to four times the average seen in these reconstructions. The most recent of these events coincided with the pole moving towards Siberia from a region close to Svalbard where it's remained stable for several hundred years. So I found that quite interesting that um, that over seven... So they're looking at, like, 7,000 years of measurements of data. I mean, mm-hmm. not that humans have been taking it for that long, but, like, that's the timescales they're looking over. Mm-hmm. Um, and that this kind of event has happened twice before. Um, and that the last time that it happened, it also and it was also siberia that was winning the, the tug of war so siberia's got a track record oh, that is this. that
1: is really interesting cuz i was i was going to ask like what is going to happen if it's accelerating yeah. or if it's if it's you know getting faster and faster is yeah. it going to stop but that sounds basically, like
0: basically they don't know so the very last sentence of the article is for now a conclusive answer to the future location of the north magnetic pole We'll have to await detailed monitoring of the geomagnetic field from Earth's surface and space in the coming years. Hmm. So they're like, we're well, not sure what's gonna happen. It's going somewhere, but we don't know
1: where it's going. We have
0: to keep monitoring. It. Basically, yeah, <laughs> has its own life. Yeah,
1: but that's really interesting that it's that's it's only happened fun. like twice before in measured history. Seven
0: thousand I mean, years. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: but I kind of love that it just has its own mind and meanders about and like follows this other magnetic flux and.
0: Yeah, it just so, goes you know, to
2: the just, It doesn't care, like, it cares a little bit, I guess, where our geometric north is, for whatever reason, but it doesn't really care, it's just, it's got its own mind, it's got its own habits.
1: I think it's, it's interesting, the idea that if this were to continue, like, let's say it heads to Siberia, and then it just keeps on going, like, it's going, yeah. basically, to the South Pole, because that happens, mm-hmm. right? Over long, guess, long time yeah. scales, yeah. the Earth has shifted its complete magnetic field a few times. Um, where North becomes South and South becomes North. And I wonder, during that transition, if it's like going through Europe, are we going to move our North? Like, will we start saying that North is in the middle of Europe? Or will we just kind of reset our North to be like, okay, Magnetic North says this value, but you're gonna subtract a certain, you know, correction factor so that it keeps it up in Canada, like up, up by Svalbard
2: because i think yeah, on I our
1: really. our human time scale it'll slowly slowly start to shift and we're going to be like nah we're still going to keep it where we know north to be but then eventually the the magnetic north in air quotes is going to be at the south pole eventually like i don't know if, <clears> if we'll even yeah. exist then as humans but in this thought I experiment we do it first. so it will eventually flip and then will we still call the north pole up by Canada, up by, you know, Russia? Or will we eventually at some point be like, okay, it's crossed the equator. Like, now we're going to switch poles. Like, everyone... It's just an interesting thing. Well, that's idea, a really interesting question. Because you think really of, like, questions? GPS or, like, compasses or that stuff is, like, fixed, right? Like, north is north. Yeah. Like, yeah. why would why would north be anything else? But this is really interesting that it's, like, moving around and it's it's really moving around at, like, yeah. you know, six meters an hour kind of thing
0: yeah um, um i also think it's really interesting that um i don't know if it's coincidental or whether it's cause and effect that the magnetic north and the geographical north are close together that like it's not the magnetic north isn't in our time scales as far as we know isn't in europe or like on the equator or whatever Mm-hmm um i don't know whether that's those two things are related or not
1: it probably has something to do with the earth's rotation because if did you ever like at a science center or like have you seen those um things i'm trying to describe it it's like a sphere but it has like a liquid inside that's all cool and sparkly and when you spin it when you spin the sphere it causes like the liquid inside to also spin in that direction but like when you stop the spinning of the sphere, it still continues? you know what I'm talking yeah.
0: about? Yeah. Um, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't think. But basically, that was the thought that was going through my mind.
1: Yeah. Is... it's probably like the spinning of the Earth causes the magma inside to move in a certain direction, which causes it to create a magnetic field.
0: Right. Yeah. So what's going thing. through my mind is that, I guess because of friction, like when the Earth is turning whatever is connected to it is turning as well Mm -hmm. and then if the earth was suddenly to stop turning which we really hope that it doesn't um (laughs) then like the conservation of angular momentum would mean that like there would be some time before the friction would slow everything that's why we would just go flying off so it would have to keep on moving until at a very high speed (laughs) yeah yeah that would be a that would be a real issue like So then, anybody who's wearing, like, rubber shoes on uh, rubber... Like, if you were in, in a professional gym or something, you might be okay, because there's a lot of friction. I feel like you'd need so much friction, though. Like, the Earth is spinning so fast. Yeah, I do. We are moving really <laughs> fast. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are moving really fast. Yeah. Do you have a quiz for us, Beth?
0: Okay, I can definitely... Try and make up a quiz from this, um, but before I do, we have to hear your buzzers. Sienna, would you like to? Beep. It's oh, very tame. <laughs> uh,
1: my buzzer, my buzzer is.
0: Why though?
1: Um, it's either the sound of an earthquake or a volcano or the magnetic flux of the earth. Are so... you
2: blowing your nose?
1: <laughs> it sounded better. I think it sounds better on my microphone okay, than it okay. does over over the Zoom call, because I'm not... Does it sound like I'm blowing my nose? Whatever, it's my buzzer call. I'm sticking with it.
0: <laughs> you do you, mum. All right, question one. What are the three types of poles that we have on the planet Earth? I think Alice is trying to blow his nose.
1: <laughs> um, the three types of poles are uh, geographic magnetic and
0: geomagnetic geomagnetic
1: geomagnetic okay
0: one point each congratulations okay yeah it comes in for the steel this is <laughs> okay i was gonna say this is scientific collaboration but yeah we can make it that if you want <laughs> um how many times stronger is a typical mri than the earth's magnetic field
1: 150 Go. 150 times.
0: Nope. Dang. Sienna. Um,
2: I remember you saying it, but I don't remember paying attention very well, which is good thing why we have these quizzes, but I'm going to guess
0: 2,500 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're closer than Alistair is. Uh, um, 1,500 times. Nope. Uh, I'm going to give the point to Sienna because it's 15,000.
1: 15, um... 15,000? I mean,
0: it's 15,000, oh, but yeah, like it could be even more depending on uh, the strength of your MRI. Uh, MRI and exactly where in the world you are at that particular moment. Wow.
1: Siberia's is a lot stronger, apparently.
0: Yeah, like apparently in Siberia they've got the best magnetic field or something. I don't know. <laughs> okay, question three. For Alistair to make a comeback. Um, What is the principal cause of the Earth's magnetic field and its movement?
1: Go. I feel like you just like hearing my noise, my buzzer. (laughs) Um, It is, uh, the principal contribution is the movement of the iron and nickel, liquid iron and nickel in the Earth's upper mantle.
0: Close. I'll give you half a point. Uh, Sienna, can you improve on that? If I tell you what the mistake was, can you improve on it? Yep. If I tell you that the mistake was that it's not the upper mantle... It's the core. It's the iron core. Yeah, the outer core.
1: The outer core is the mantle, is it not?
0: No. No. You have the solid core, the inner core... Then you have the outer core, which is liquid. I should have gone through this. earlier. Oh, and then, then you, you have, have the mantle. mantle. Then you have the mantle, mm. and then you have the crust.
1: I would think that the mantle contributes some, but I'm not a geologist. So.
0: It probably does, but I asked for the main cores. But the nickel and iron is mid- mostly in the core, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, I'm not a geologist. I'm really not my field of expertise. Also not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not yet a doctor, and I don't have any plans to become a geologist at all, so... Um,
1: (laughs) They're great people. They do great work.
0: Absolutely. I really enjoyed... Like, I really enjoyed this. One of the things that I really enjoyed about making this episode is branching out from my discipline and seeing how how other researchers do their work, seeing similarities and differences, and seeing the, the differences in how they present it as well, because... I think a particle mm. physics paper would be presented differently so
1: mm. um i think it's it, it's also great episode i mean this was super fascinating to learn about and it's cool to be able to read a paper that's not necessarily in your direct field but you can look at it with a scientific lens like yeah. you can kind of like read it and disseminate it Ooh, that's a big word um <laughs> digest it and then kind of make it more accessible to us, like, I would read it and I would maybe interpret it differently or not understand a lot of the more physical physics concepts. I would have
2: definitely gotten bogged down in the, like, geophysics jargon and and would have run away.
0: Well, I'm glad that you didn't run away this time.
2: Me neither, because now I got to learn, because it is interesting to me that the magnetic north pole is moving and I've, like, known that, but I've never thought that why would be something I could understand. Yeah. Like, it's moving, it's doing its thing, I don't even know what a magnetic pole is. Yeah, that's the (laughs) thing, like,
0: I would never have thought, I think, really up until really recently, I would never have thought, if I put my mind to this, I can understand it, but, like, I don't know how well I've done, geophysicists, please write in and tell me what I've done, but I have, I think I've um, got a good amateur understanding of this. One one extra thing that I just wanted to add in is a particle physics-related thing, because I had to, basically.
2: Love a particle physics-related thing. Let's hear it.
0: The reason why it's important that we have some kind of magnetic field is... Do you guys already know this? No. Does anybody have a guess? Oh! Ooh, go! Ooh, ooh, go! Ooh, ooh, go! Ooh, Alistair! Ooh, me, Alistair! Uh-
1: it's important that we have an electromagnetic field because it deflects a lot of subatomic particles from bombarding us. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, cool. Yes.
0: So basically all of the- It's literally a force field. It's literally a force field.
1: It's literally a deflector shield. Like in Star Trek, it's literally a deflector shield. Sorry, Beth, please explain. Yes,
0: that is, it's literally a deflector field. So um, what happens to-, to um charged particles from from cosmic rays and from outside of the of the earth's atmosphere is when they come towards the earth the magnetic field deflects hmm. them away and if it didn't they would bombard the earth and they would break up all of the ozone in the ozone layer and we would not have an atmosphere anymore so we I'm
1: would not so be grateful here. for the
0: magnetic
1: field and...
2: wow she's great yeah Right.
1: and to tie this back into the, my last episode, that's how we get the plasmas in the skies because the particles go with the magnetic field up to the North yep. Pole and create plasmas in the sky, create the, the, oh, the neon yeah. lights, the northern lights.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it all comes together. There you go. Yeah. What a nice yeah. note to end on. I wish we could tie it into biology, but cool. I can't think of a way, so... <laughs> okay, well... Sienna, you've got two weeks to, to think of We've an We've got episode lots and... of iron in our blood. No. There we go.
2: <laughs> our blood is like the Earth's core. <laughs> lots of flowing iron. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> so if I spin around really, wait, wait, wait. So if I spin around really, really, really fast, do I create a magnetic field? Yeah,
0: if you spin around fast enough, then you might just be able to pull the magnetic field back. You might just be able to pull the North Pole back from Siberia. <laughs>
1: Okay, Canadians, everyone, all the Canadians listening, on, on like, three months from now, we're all going to get together, we're all going to spin around really, really fast and pull the magnetic field back to Canada. We need to do this for Canada.
0: We have to win this tug of war. <laughs> okay, I think this moment of unity is a really nice note to end on, so I'd like to thank everyone for um, being with us during this this step outside of my comfort zone. My name is Beth. I'm Alistair. And I'm Sienna. We'd also like to give a quick shout out to Ellison for doing our theme tunes, the intro and the outro. Um, You can find his music on Bandcamp, go and give it a listen, we highly recommend. Thank you all very much for being here, we are the (laughs) PHD3.